on this episode of Of Mex and Men, Grayson finally figures it out. Waddy or not, here we come. Hello, and welcome back to Of Mex and Men. I'm Kanan Hill, joined, as usual, by my two good friends, Brent. It's me, a Brent. Yes. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. Very good. How are we doing, boys? And after 10,000 years, I'm finally free. Uh, I don't know. Perfect. I like it. Perfect. <laughs> well, that's good, because that means you can join us here as we move on through chapter 26 through the end yes. of chapter 31. Of the book we've been working through each week. Decision at Thunder Rift by William H. Keith Jr. Let us begin. Let's get into it. Chapter 26. We open with Grayson in Thunder Rift. He's here with the boys. We've got all the troops. He's attempting to rally the troops. You know, we've, uh, everyone's escaped. You know, they're all straggling in. So far, he has 59 combat troops and 28 men in the technical support company. You know, we're looking all right. We're looking pretty good. Right, boys? Everyone's trading stories. You know, they're all filtering in, talking about what's going on. We're hearing snippets. We're hearing things, you know, Sargads being burned down, the militias being rounded up and arrested and whatnot. It's just... um There's some light fighting in the streets, I believe. Yeah, it's a rough described. scene. For yeah. sure. Yeah, they mentioned that the homes and people that are kind of staying loyal to the same ideas that Grayson has right now of we should be wary or getting killed or pushed out and taken prisoner. So pretty grisly all the way across for anybody that's taking Grayson's side in this conflict. Just your basic coup d'etat stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, it's your liberating a planet from pirates. Out with the old and <laughs> with the new. Uh, yes, yes. Pirate liberation, of course. Yes. Of course. Code Dragon. <laughs> Code Dragon. We get this shot of Grayson standing in front of all the troops. We get Lori in the background patrolling in the Locust. He's got all of his guys there and he's trying to explain the plan, right? The plan to steal the dropship and to escape Sargod. And this part's really funny because this is where Grayson first notices or realizes that not everyone wants to leave Sargod. He's like, we're all going to get in the ship and we're going to get out of here. And then everyone's kind of looking at him and he's like, what? And they're like, well, sir, you know, we, this is our home. We got like families and stuff. Yeah. We don't want to leave. I don't. Like, I didn't even pack a travel bag. Like I'm not ready to yeah, go. He's shocked. He's like, what? You guys don't want to go. This place sucks. And they're like, hey, you know, this is, this is our home. Oh, you take that back about our home. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's at this moment that Grayson once again remembers something that Kai Griffith once told him. There it is. He hears Griffith in his head, 
You know, man on the firing line, it's home and family that puts them there on the firing line in the first place. He's like, oh, yeah, families. You know, I used to have one of those. <laughs> I thought you guys were my family. And they're like, no, dude. Like, we have, like, we have real families. Yeah. I got like a two year yeah, old yeah. and a four year old at home, you know? Like, I'm just hoping like uh, they stop burning down our houses. So I yeah. thought you might have a plan on that, Grace. You know, like, you oh. helped us defeat those pirates, which were originally doing it. Yeah. So first he gets <laughs> all the guys who are like, well, you know, we don't actually want to leave. And then, uh, you know, another guy pipes up, like, you know, we'll help you do all this stuff and we'll risk our lives and we'll help you steal your ship and escape. There's no guarantee that you'll come back for us, which is a really good point. It is actually, it is what I would have said as well, honestly. And Grayson's just kind of like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, would this face, you know, betray yeah. you? Listeners, you can't see the <laughs> hands on hip pose, chest puffed out. Grayson impression we're getting here on Brent's side, but he's spot on. Yeah, really good point. You know, he's uh, so Grayson is drowning, right? I mean, somebody help him out here, please. Like, he's bombing. He's had some growth at this point, but motivational speaking has not been a growth point yet. So he's working on, hey, this is, you know, he's cutting his teeth now, um, but mm. the silence here might kill him. Luckily, luckily, Manning saves the day, right? Manning speaks Our up. Boy Who's Manning? Manning? I don't know. That's what it says here. It says that Manning is like. The, the lieutenant's always done right by us. And he's like, thank you, soldier. And he's like, see, you. Manning gets I'm it. I'm going to remember you. It's the most desperate thank you I we know. have heard in the series so far. I'm like, who's Manning? Is this guy a plant? You know, yeah. is this, is, is, it's is, just Ramage in a mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like there was some money exchanged under tables, maybe. To get that... Uh, Count me in, yeah. It's very <laughs> but, expensive. However, uh, you know, uh, the man speaking up, he sways the group, and uh, it seems we're moving forward on the plan. Yeah, it's just like, they're all, like, at the end, he gets kind of a lukewarm reception, and then Grayson's like, yeah, you know, we might just be able to pull this <laughs> off. <laughs> it's a real turn his back to, like, the crowd face the camera <laughs> yeah, moment, yeah. like... And I think we've got it, boys. You get the it's anime like, no. fist pump, yeah. but like, you know, like it's like a little subdued. He's like hidden it. Yeah. Uh, like, Nailed yeah, we, it. We got it. But that does lead us to the chance to follow up into this next little section and hope Rimford Tor does a better job. Yes. Uh, which tends to be the case. It sure does. That's beautiful. We then cut to Renford Tor. Renford Tor has 14 men dressed in Royal Guard uniforms. The old, uh, the old green and golds, they call them. And um, they are marching in formation. They are headed to the spaceport. So we see this is the first part of the plan here. The plan has finally started to come underway. And then, as you know, at this part, we start to head into kind of this sequence of these scenes cutting back and forth between the different uh, participants the different angles for the heist, so to speak. We get an execution montage. We don't actually learn about the plan up front. We just kind of get this, we're on the ground, we're moving, and then we're going to switch between the, the key players as the plan's being carried out. It's very cool. A real Grayson's Eleven style scene. Yes, Grayson's Eleven is what I would call this. Grayson's uh, Eleven, the, yeah. <laughs> and it's also surprisingly competent for a Grayson plan. But yeah, Ramage, he's got the boys. 
they're headed to the spaceport. They're going where the dropships are because, uh, you know, they're trying to steal that dropship. And um, Tor's dropship is at the spaceport, right? It's currently, the Combine is still using it. But we just have this short bit. He's marching up with the boys, but they stop short. You kind of, you feel like you see the dropships looming in the distance, but they kind of post up, I don't know, behind a building or some containers or what have you. If I recall correctly, they get in the shade, which is honestly the best way to fit in right because it's exactly what all soldiers uh do when they don't have anything else to do good right the sun because the sun is coming up right it's been down right. for a while and at this point i think it specifically says because they have those long nights long days weird yeah. cycle yeah the sun the dawn has now broken and the sun is that hot sun is starting to come up now yeah, they bring that up. That's the first line in the chapter 26 where they say dawn was only a few hours away when we get prior to the Grayson speech. So now that everything's in motion, Which we're in I, full on. Day I day. feel like we could have just a little editing note. Like, I feel like it would have been better to reinforce how all of that stuff was happening in the dark multiple times. That's then we really we kind of get it like after the fact. So it reads a little it, it not only after right. the fact. We do know that it's dark prior, but they don't really it is, hammer it in enough. That is important to note in right. your like mental imagery that when they're going through the town and they break them out of the jail and all that, that is all under cover of night, right? The sun, it's it's been right. that long night this whole time. So yeah, that was all that was all in the dark. But not anymore. But yeah, they stop short. He, he kind of zooms in towards you know, Tor's got a little earpiece, you know, he's like, Hold up, and he's like, I'm waiting on a signal. And while Tor and the boys are waiting outside, Grayson is in the command center. He's in the castle, working to tap into the spaceport's computer net. If he could just tell the computer network that Torin's people were expected aboard the dropship, but where was his signal? And so then we learn, oh, Grayson's trying to get into the computers, and Tor is just waiting for him to do something. So we have a real if this, then this situation going on. Yeah, we keep hearing about like somebody's waiting on the next part of the planet and then we right. cut to that next part. So it does keep that tension rolling the whole time about like, oh, well, their plan may fail. They've gotten to where they need to go. Is the next person going to succeed? And this one's, you know, Grayson's step of the plan. So, so far introduced, we've got two groups. We've got Grayson's trying to get into the palace to get to the computers. And then we have pretend guards under Renford Tor's leadership. And he is trying to get into a dropship at the port. We get the cool heist movie where it's mm -hmm. like cutting back and forth between yeah. multiple groups. It does that. While reading this section, I was like, it's totally doing it the does. heist movie we're chopping 100%. back and forth between all the different elements and they all have their own separate goals, but they're all connected. And that's why we're now we're following Grayson. He's wearing like a lieutenant's uniform. Yeah. He's dressed as an officer sneaking into the castle. He's trying to gain access to the computer system so that he can get Tor's guys on board that dropship. He's trying to get them past the guards. They're, he's trying to do a little, uh, you know, he's trying to hack. He's going to do a little hacking. And specifically, he's looking for intelligence, right? Uh, again, this is, uh, I want to give it to Grayson, uh, our lad again. Uh, he's like, if I want to beat these guys, I need to know more about them. I need to know more about their equipment. I need to know more about their people. Uh, and uh, he's like, <clears throat> and you start to see going through this that uh, uh, that's exactly what he's here for. Uh, it's a lot of risk, but the reward can be great. Understanding his enemy better, better can put him in a much better position. 
than having not know all of these things. As well as getting the right credentials in order so all his friends don't get shot on site. That too. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard information is ammunition. (laughs) I have as well. You get there. Isn't there a bit? He talks to a guy, but he totally bluffs him. He's like, oh, I was sent down here uh, by the guy, uh, you know, the uh, the major whatever. And the guy's like, whatever, dude, just, uh, you know, whatever. Just do what you got to do. Go Because he's talking to a uh, a combine soldier yeah. and he's portraying a Trelawney's an indig. And in an important part of this where it bumps into the Draconis captain who gives him the order, basically like sees somebody beneath him and says, hey, I need you to go report to Major Craig for a runner assignment. And Grayson's like, oh, no, <laughs> and comes up with a quick bluff of saying, like, I'll do that as soon as I'm done with the business I was sent here down by his lordship to do. And the guy's like, well, whatever. He even calls he it like out of like saying, off. like, yeah, like, I just relied on the fact that maybe he didn't want to get caught up in that either. Again, Grayson's somewhat working knowledge of of military procedure and all of the weird social weirdness that comes with that. He always does the, you know, in Blade Runner, when Harrison Ford goes, remember the dancer with the snake? And he goes into her room and he's acting all weird. He's like, I'm just checking for peepholes, you know? He's always yeah. doing that bit. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, it's uh, it's so it's he always goes to the same bit. He's like, it has, you know, don't fail me now. But uh, <laughs> it, it is his second favorite bit. Here's the thing, we'll get though, to his first favorite. Is that this is exactly how, in my experience, the military works, though. <laughs> the reality is, is that what he pulled here totally was pull offable throughout reading this. And I think I said this in an earlier episode I feel like Keith has to have at least known someone with military service, did his due diligence and research, or was... I still haven't looked up anything about the author like a bad researcher, but I've I've got this inkling because he... There's all these little nuances that he captures that I think really shows that off. And this is another one of those. Well, and another important thing about this too, when he comes up with that bluff, he's still listening to what the Draconis captain told him, basically mentioning Major Craig, and he files it away in bluff game for later. And that's why I wanted to make sure we brought it up is that like it's going to come back up. Yes, this totally gives him a key to unlock a door here later. Uh, In like two paragraphs. (laughs) Yep. Because every time he tries to get somewhere, somebody asks him what he's doing. And yep. he has to lie with a new, better lie. Oh, yeah. He immediately runs into someone else, right? And he's like, oh, uh, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, Major Craig sent me. He sent me down to work on it. And the guy's like, oh, whatever. Stay out of our way. Is this where he's like, why you? Yes. Yes, that is where he comes up because this is right where after he bluffs his way past the Draconis captain, he gets into the main room with the tech consoles at it. But all the techs are also working in that room, right. switching over the systems. And then he feeds the bluff about how he was here when these systems were put in and that's why he was the one sent to do this. That's where that happens? Yes. I thought that I, I thought that was a little, another clever little bit of thing. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Is where it he also might that explain because his he, blonde hair. <laughs> um, it also needed to serve the purpose of like, well, I could lie to a junior officer, no problem. Right. But I can't lie to a tech with the same vague lie because a tech is going to ask me more questions. More and pointed questions. Yeah. And so after the tech calls him out and basically says, what are you doing? He follows up with a, yes, sir. I was sent up here to check out the computer net access from here. Major, yes, Major Craig wants to know if there was any damage to the banks. 
And then the tech doesn't just take it at face value like everyone else does when Grayson uses this. And he's like, why you? What do you know about Commonwealth computers? And Grayson comes up with another great lie off the cuff and says, I was on the Aztec force that helped set them up, sir. That's why the major wanted me to come down here and see. So basically saying, oh, well, I had enough knowledge beforehand to yeah. take a look at it. So it's me, I guess. And then the tech does accept that and basically saying, well, at least it's not my problem now. I like that the author doesn't go... For the usual, wait a minute, haven't I seen you somewhere? There isn't, I was expecting that. I don't know, it's like a trope, right? I was like, oh, somebody's great, he's going to get recognized or something. Someone's going to be like, wait a minute, but no one does. I do feel like maybe it should have, though. I will say, like, well, he, he managed to bluff himself in, but there's he's been in here a couple times now, and I feel like there's got to be some reoccurring personnel so i will say this is one of those things where i'm like well i I don't know i'll give it a pass here just because keith is kind of talking about like these are all the draconis forces that are coming in here and moving stuff around that's i think the thing that saves it is that you've got a lot of you've got a lot of people in places they've not been you've got and this was all set up with the there's the chaos of Yada, yada. Yeah. You've got the new regime and the old regime changing out right now. And so a lot of people coming in and out. That's the thing that gives it a pass. But it is like, it's borderline. I'm kind of like, I don't know, blonde hair kid in a guard uniform. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. But uh, he makes it. And he's in the computer. Well, he's not in it, but he's on it. He finds out another what if happens and he would lucked out that the codes, the access codes had not changed yet. Yes. Which uh, lines up with kind of his, what he thought. In fact, the guy who was questioning him is like, well, hurry up because we're going to have to, I'm going to throw you out on your head, I believe is the, uh, the terms he used, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. which is like real aggressive. It's some real, like, I'm already tired of you. Yeah. He basically Uh, says you can stay here as long as I'm not on that job as soon as I am. I'm going to throw you out on your head. Yeah. Uh, which is a wild statement. But, <laughs> you know, hey. i got to start using maybe that took, around. Yeah, maybe uh, you took language lessons from you. <laughs> yeah, i got to start using that. that, that uh, goes, right? Yeah. Throw you out Incredible. on your head. Incredible. He does it, though. He gets into the computer. He's all bloop, bloop, tapping around in there. What is it? We got some, I'm, I'm thinking real, I'm thinking flickery CRT vectors. You know, everything's all flickery, oh, yeah. big chunky buttons. A lot of green clack. text on the screen, on black A lot of green, green on black. We got dot matrix printers, vacuum tubes. He's tapping around. He's typing stuff. It takes him a while. He totally finds the file for that dropship launch, right? The one that he wants Tor to get on. He's like, I'm going to put it in an order that like, we're going to put more dudes on it so that when he goes to get on it, like he'll be expected. Right. And, uh. Because otherwise, you know, they won't let him on. I thought that was a cool little bit. Yeah. Uh, weird this guy's getting his orders from a computer, uh, but I'll, I'll buy it. Well, they do They do call about why that comes up. So it isn't just accepted from the computer. Oh, I don't remember that. So Clearly. We'll, we'll get to it. I but see. my favorite section of it was where he was talking about how he was bumbling through it. I, I also I wanted was, to talk about yeah. this, yes. And a very applicable thing for future tech and modern tech is when keith writes in the statement any computer system that will be used by many people with varying levels of training must be designed so that even inexperienced personnel can operate it and that is incredibly true when it comes to government tech yeah so um and we're talking about this clearly doesn't have a uh 
a GUI or GUI, whichever your preference is. And uh, he says something about having to like, you know, he's like slash help or whatever, you know, trying to figure out. Yeah, what he was just going lines. through menus till he found stuff he recognized. Yeah. So as you said, bumbling through. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also another thing of note here in this computer system. He's looking through at the dudes guarding stuff and he's like, and it lists the <laughs> what weapons they're using. And I'm like... Nobody's keeping this data up to date. It was one of the few things in this where I was like, nobody's writing this stuff on a computer document, <laughs> but it's cool anyway. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I'll he does. He it. does find the security. I mean, the more important thing is that he finds the security personnel totally. jump ship, and the fact that the dropship was going to rendezvous with the jump ship at Nadir, and that was one of their big questions of which yes. jump point are they going to? And now he knows. Well, he, he knew which one. Tor's jump ship was at. Yes. He did not know wh- where the Draconis jump ship was. Yeah. The dragon is known for exceptional bookkeeping. <laughs> they showed it here, yes. knowing what the security personnel were armed with on the drop ship. And we'll talk more about those jump points and everything here in a few chapters. Oh, uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> well, you guys will. <laughs> While searching the file, he discovers the destination. The drop ship is scheduled to arrive in Luthien, capital world of the Draconis Combine. Bum, bum, bum. Black Luthien. That's right. They're going all the way. He also, after finding out about the security post personnel, that it's going to Luthien, meeting at Nadir, that there are prisoners on board, which he was like, maybe, maybe I can yeah. prisoners. No. And then the other crucial thing was that there was a VIP on board. Yes. VIP. Um, Special passenger. A VIP Uranabi, which is a name we haven't encountered before. So, but they're listed as a VIP. So, probably something important is coming up. So, he makes a new entry. He assigns a new unit to be boarded to the dropship, 14 men under the command of Clayden, Sergeant Trelwan Royal Guards. So, he totally uses Clayden's name for a tour. Which, uh, I don't know if that was the move, but. They maybe should have came up with some fake names uh, ahead of time, considering that, well, Singh to, has interrogated Renford Tor, you know, face to face, and uh, he might be, well... Remember, we did bump into Clayton. He had assumingly picked a side, so... Right. Uh, and they do mention that. They do call it out. Keith writes it in there that you would have that question, and basically saying, like, him and Tor tried to settle on a name. They couldn't really come up with anybody, because the problem is, why would Trellwan's uh, or Twelanese people be going to Luthien. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So he calls in like a hand wave, it kind of it's magic in a fantasy setting, saying Grayson was relying on the studied lack of curiosity and the obedient. It's none of my affair military mind. Which, so, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, it was a fair hand wave of saying like, don't worry, people probably won't ask a question because we don't have a better answer. I just, I would have been sweating over some higher up that knew better. He adds Tor's group to the outbound roster. Then he pulls out his little thing and he sends the signal to Tor that uh, Rennie was waiting for. He sends it. A red light flashed twice in the handset. Message received. And that's when we cut back to Renfrew Tor and the boys out there on the Ferrocrete. And they also say, with his primary mission accomplished, he set to work searching for one more set of data he wanted to examine. And this would be his one and only opportunity to find it. So he said, all right, important stuff's done. That's right. Now I got to get some information. Yeah. He's still got some he wants to look up. They, oh, yeah. This is totally a – there's a callback to this. He They say specifically way back earlier, Grayson's like, man – 
I want to know who some of these guys are, but yes. there's like these files on the computer. They keep these files with all these dudes in them. And I wish I could look at him. That was, you know, that was a while ago. Sing was one of them. He was like, Sing, I think I've seen that when I was going through. I recognize the face. And yeah. they expand upon it here coming yeah. up because we don't know what he's searching for here. They they leave it kind of cold yep. to say he's just looking for some important information before it cuts back to Renford Tour. Yeah, I love this. We cut back to Tor and the boys uh, <laughs> out on the Pharaoh Crete in the I dark. I love this part. They get the signal, they swing out, they start marching towards the dropship. You know, the sentry's just standing there and he just sees all of a sudden he's like, what's this? And there's just like 15 dudes come like marching up and he's like, whoa, you know, where, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, what's going on? And he's like, you know, we got orders. He's like, let's see him. And he's like, look, uh, you know, call him in. It'll check out. And the dude does, right? He totally does. He, he, he. He calls it in. He's like, yeah, you know, he's on the radio. Yeah. And then he looks up. It's like, Sergeant Clayton? Like, that's right. Then I, the dude's just like, man, no one ever tells me nothing. <laughs> he's like, whatever. Get on board. Come on. You and know Tor was sweating for those moments. Uh, like, Internal yeah. sweating. Because you it, know he was cool yeah. as hell. And just Is came this going to check out? Is it going to not? He came... Uh, I love that he came in with just the right amount of aggression. Yeah. It's like, where's your paperwork? And he says, he don't have any paperwork. <laughs> Listen, I was ordered. He's like, you want to deal yeah. with it? You deal with it. I actually like all of the... Uh, yeah, the whole he, exchange is great. In a scene coming up, he kind of communicates to the reader his methodology for getting through these procedures. Mm-hmm. And uh, Renford Tor way smoother than Grayson at this. A little bit more experience, though. Yeah. <laughs> but the boys get on. They're clear. It totally works. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. It absolutely works. I like how it ends. You get the nobody ever tells me nothing. And then too easy Tor told himself as they filed on board, they had to be even more on guard now for things could change at any moment. As he entered his own ship, he reached down and unobtrusively unhooked the safety strap across the top of his Gunther MP20 riding on his hip. So kind of a prelude to action. You kind of get, oh, okay, what's the next step of the plan here? It's clearly spicy. And yeah, it does keep that tension point that we talked about. Like he's very good at leaving all of these little scenes off with a tension point. So you get to ride that all the way into the next chapter. Totally. Chapter 27. We cut back to Grayson. He's back. He's hunched over the computer, gargoyle style. He's hunkered down, tap, 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 and looking up, there's all kinds of this text scrolling across the screen and whatnot. He's pulling up files. He's in the biog. Yeah, he tapped into the biog extract files, uh, which are, the, oh, these are the same files that the commandos left behind. So these are actually, these are his files. So nice they're still here. There's a bunch of mech warriors in here. You know, you got to know your mech warriors. You got to have files on your enemies, but you also have to have files on your friends because in the succession wars, it's not unusual for friends to become enemies. <laughs> like, great. That's true. 
He's clicking through. He finds a face he recognizes. Long, swarthy, dark eyes, abbreviated build. Beard circling his lips and mouth. It's Haramander Singh. It's Singh. It's Singh. It's Singh. The animal himself. Captain of the Red Hunter Special Operations Group. He's a baron, actually. Baron Haramander Singh. Oh yeah, he's got some land. A captain of the Red Hunter Special Operations Group. He's the right-hand man. Says it right here. And if we do get, for the remainder of the section we're talking about today, this is probably one of the very last old Graysonisms that we get mm-hmm. is his idea of when he like sees the picture of Singh. He, it's like, Grayson remembered the name Singh from Lori's story about how she had come to Trelwan. And again, from Griffith's dying shout during the battle at the castle's vehicle bay. And it's like, you've heard about Singh so many more times at this point, Grayson, like... You really need to have a notebook or something where you're writing these names down and you don't go, oh, Singh's the guy in charge again. Yep, he was and has been. (laughs) And everybody's told you that many, many times at this point. But you're right. This plan, this whole thing he's pulling off, this is really the death of young Grayson. And Interstage Wright is slightly more competent, confident, and in charge Grayson. There's even information about his battle mech, a crusader. 65 tonner, painted in the same red and black as Recall's Marauder. The computer projected the mech on the screen. Oh, man, you know that looks awesome. You get the mm-hmm. paper doll. You know it drew oh, it yeah. in. Like, <laughs> it drew it in. LRM launchers. Updating recurring lines. Totally. The Crusader's cool. The Crusader is cool. I'm going to save talking about it, though. Yeah, because we, don't, we is, don't see it yet. We get a glossary glimpse here. We just get some foreshadowing with it. Yeah, he just gets the he just gets the paper doll. We also uh, get a little bit more info on uh, the old Duke, the dashing Red Duke. It turns out he was a mech warrior well-known to his enemies. He favored a 75-ton marauder. So many marauders. Lots of marauders in Lots this of episode, marauders. or in this series. I just love... So here it is, the moment we've all been waiting for. Grayson (laughs) finally figures it out. Like he finally, he actually, he's like, there's this whole section where he's like, wait a minute, then that means that there were no bandits. (laughs) And then recall was just, so then sing, and then the, so then the common, and then Hendrick, so and he's like, oh, like there's, he has this galaxy brain moment, like third eye explodes. Just, <laughs> he sees the whole, it's, uh, it's beautiful. He it's so just, triumphant. He just needed to see it all on one giant uh, computer readout. Uh. Yeah. And, you know, we <laughs> cut to everybody's face that's told him all of these puzzle pieces all along. They're seemingly furious in the background. Nobody can understand why. But yeah, Grayson finally says, there were no pirates. It was all a false flag. <laughs> it was. Yeah, no pirates like, Wait a flag. minute. It was all like a, it was all a work. It's like some kind of big plan. Baron Haramander Singh, Red Hunter, Special Operations. He gets it. Grayson nodded as the puzzle pieces clicked together. The Combine would win everything, a friendly base of operations deep within the Commonwealth's uh, cis-peripheral sector, new source of ground troops, water, supplies, staging area for secret strikes. He's like, man, this checks out. I get it. Good job, Grayson. Grayson, you're here. You've caught up with everyone else. And it's good. I'm glad we did have a moment of classic himbo graces. Yes. Grayson coming in. All right. 
our favorite himbo. Our favorite himbo has has put up his old himbo shorts and he's <laughs> finally finally grown man Grayson. And then after he puts it all together, he's like, anyway, <laughs> what about this marauder pilot I hate? Yeah. It used to be himbo, but he changed the pronunciation. <laughs> his grandfather um, changed it. So yeah, he changed it. He also he pulls a file for another associated mech warrior, Lieutenant Valendel, who yes. he learns is the he's the pilot of the black and gray marauder, which is actually the one who killed his father. Yes, Grieg Valendel. We got them all. We got all the boss. We got the hit list. It's like, doot, yeah. Doot, doot. yeah, you get the three portraits. And he's like, okay, we got it. He says, Duke Recall, who planned it and ordered it, Singh, who carried it out. And Valendel, who committed the murder. We can't knock Grayson down. He did build a simple list based off this information, and it's improvement. So he did it. This is He didn't lie to the computer and then run away from it. So, you know what? This is actually a plan on his own, where he found three names and said, I think I'll kill those guys. My favorite part is when he vows to himself to... From what I'm reading, it does. it really does read like he makes a vow to destroy the Draconis Combine... And I'm like, wow, you know, good luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not the first one and uh, you won't be the last. Trust me. This one guy killed my uh, father, so I'm going to try and eliminate an entire yeah. nation state. I just think, I, I don't even know if that's, I just, look, the sentence, he hated <laughs> recall, hated the entire Draconis Combine with an intensity he was only beginning to discover. In his thirst for vengeance, he wanted them all dead, dead at his hands. He's going to personally. I want to bookmark this in the reader's minds for especially you new readers looking at you Aaron this is an important footnote for a few books later I also feel like it's an important footnote for the way people feel throughout all of Battletech and this is how wars happen yes that's true (laughs) but this there's something here that I think is an important if we're looking at the Grey Death Legion is I believe it's eight books strong and we get character growth over all of these books and i want to there's there's something that happens that we're seeing grayson's perspective right now and i just want everyone to take note of that and i will i promise you viewers and aaron that we will be talking about this again when we get to that book with all the books in there i know they're very spread out and the first three are the ones that we're starting with and then as we get to them, we'll be coming back to Grey Death on and off again. Watch out, folks. We might be staring down the barrel of some character development. Warning. Hit the character development klaxon. <laughs> Unfortunately, this triumphant act of deduction is interrupted immediately by just someone, you know, hey, you! You know, eventually, of course, somebody's like, hey, who's that guy? Oh, right, because they go, someone goes and gets the major, don't they? They like, they like drag the major down there. We just, we just know somebody shows up. And he basically, hey, you, what are you doing? And he's like, uh. And then he, uh? he, tr- he's, uh, you know, he's been, it's some real, like, you're a teenager. Um, your parents have gone to bed. You're on the computer, like, two in the morning. It's some real, like, your parents open the door and go, what are you doing? And Grayson's just like, uh. Studying. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah <laughs> the guy calls him out and he said so who sent you down here major uh major uh, uh craig sir well uh, that ain't true because son 
that's me. <laughs> and I've never seen you before in my life. And Grayson goes, I am Major Craig. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and uh, Grayson's like, I probably shouldn't so, tell him my last name. That's always worked in the past. So now we get to play, like, spin the wheel on what does Grayson do? Uh, There's only two options. <laughs> half of the wheel says lie. The other half says hit someone and run away. And we spin it. We land on lie first. And then we go, well, free spin. And we la- we keep spinning it until it lands on hit somebody and then run away. Uh, so Grayson's first favorite plan uh, goes into action right away as he's surrounded by Tex and Major Krieg. He gets to do them both back to back because he he does a short little he does open on them with the old fumbly. It's like he's like walking like, oh, hold on. Just let me get out my little uh, notebook, sir. I got it. And then immediately just dives for them and like tackles a dude. He just crushes, just obliterates some dude's knees. Clad man, tangle of arms, chorus of shouts, gunfire. He's, you know, scrambles up, running down the hallway. Dudes are chasing after him. You know, I can't believe he actually, uh, I mean, he could, you know, he he could have been shot right there. This is just very dicey, what he attempts here. Very, very dicey. The only reason he gets away is literally because the guys are like, What's he going to do? Like, he's literally surrounded. Not everybody expects leaping tackle. Nobody expects the football tackle into the runaway. I think they were expecting more lies or like, you know, like... Anything else. Anything else. Grayson's like, I'll tell you what, let's just simplify the playbook. Go for the blitz. And we'll figure it out after I'm not dead. Yeah, we'll figure it out from there. You know, take what the defense gives you, right? Focus on your fundamentals. It's some real, like, wild card. Yeah. Here's the thing. I buy it. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't expect a guy that's just a fucking, like, buck wild in a room full of guys with, like, sidearms uh, and an angry major. That's like, what are you actually up to? He's not dead, so it worked well enough. Yeah. But I I do like that he immediately, like, as he starts running, he's like, I guess I got to think of a new plan now. And he's like, I think I only got a few minutes because the alarm's going to go off and I've got to get to the doors before those seal off. We keep going you know i think this is where grayson really turns a corner but uh we got a little bit of you know what i will say in grayson's defense i've not come to it that often (laughs) in comparison to eat candy bars and shove mud in your ears grayson and grayson surrounded by people and not left with much other option tackling a person this is on the side of like all right grayson you had to. You took action. You Good didn't you. have to put mud in your ears. No. So he did it. He understood that, well, it fucked up and now I need a new plan. But uh, the only one he knows is I just got to get out of the facility. Lucky for us and Grayson, the man has proven time and time again that he's pretty good at thinking on his feet. This is where Grayson turns a corner down a hallway because he is sprinting. <laughs> um, and that's actually where the little section ends. Uh, it will, you know, we cut back to tour here, you know, they're chopping back and forth, you know, Grayson gets away, sprinting through the hallway, mad scramble, cut back to tour. Oh dude, this scene rules, right? This is the one, this is tour on the bridge of the jump ship. And it's like, it just cuts back to him and his dudes with all their guns out, just like trained on everyone. And just all the, the captain and them, like with their, with their arms up. It's so sick. I love this. It fosters, uh. Return of the Jedi, Han Solo in the uh, bunker uh, with all the like stormtroopers and the officers. He's like, all right, man, you know, like fucking hold him up. And then he's like, move aside, mister. I'll take her up. It's some real like, it's my girl. It's like one step away from him saying, 
I think that's my chair. And yes. It's fun. Yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. I see. I love this. This is, this has to be one of my favorite scenes in the book because you get them on the bridge, you know, they got their guns out and then he sees a guy, he sees a dude and he's like, wait, I know this guy. And he's like, Oh, this is your Proctor Sinvali of house. My and we're like, oh yeah, Proctor Sinvali. Toward when he told his story earlier, he mentioned that he got the job from Proctor Sinvali. And then he's like, oh weird, dude. Uh, what are you doing here? And he's like, hey, you know, we. Uh, he's real smooth. Tor is uh, smartly doesn't trust him. He's like, this guy's slick. He knows it. He gets the vibe. He's like, this guy's a slick dude. I gotta watch this guy. But he is. He's like. What are you doing here, dude? You're the proctor. You're the dude who gave me the job. And he like gives him some little story at first. It's like, oh, I came in with the uh he's kind of he's very convincing. It's like this whole charade. He's even telling the other combine guys. He's doing the old, he turns the other guy like, oh, this is Tor. Sorry about the mix-up. He's actually the captain. But then he says, ah, but allow me to produce some identification. And I love this. He reaches in, he pulls out. And an ID card and a square of translucent plastic looking down through layers of color to symbols that float unsupported within the square's depths, ISF. This is an ISF identification badge, and I don't think it's ever described. It's so cool. There are free-floating symbols inside the ID. It just it just sounds so cool. So this dude's an ISF agent, dude. If you guys don't know ISF, that's uh that's bad news bears. Why don't you give us a little heads up on what the ISF is? Tor does it perfect. Karita's secret police. He says, "I'm ISF. My real name is Captain Yoranabi." And you're like, "Oh, Bump, that's like, this oh. is the VIP that Grayson saw in the computer." And a then little Tor's dramatic like, oh, yeah, for us. Karita's secret police. Yeah, this is their, they are the investigative arm of the Draconis Combine. Let me tell you something, buddy. They do something a little more than investigate things. Uh, let me tell you. You know, just your typical intelligence gathering, counterintelligence gathering, uh, you know, political assassinations and. The usual. The usual. So he tries to convince Tor. He tries to talk him, you know, talk him out of it. He makes him an offer, right? He's like, listen, you're the captain. Sure. You, you know, you got your guys. It's fine. I'll tell you what, take us to Luthien. You know, we're already going there. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it you worth what. your while. Yeah, I'll make it worth your while. You know, and I loved, by the way, in the audiobook, this part's so sick because the dude makes the offer. You know, he's like, you know, this one commission could pay you and your crew enough for you to retire in comfort, you know, and then it just cuts. There's this, the next short paragraph. It's almost like the narrator cuts in. There's and like vignetting, all life. you know? Yeah. It's just this little thing about his whole life. He'd always struggled, always struggled to pay his expenses, bribe the next agent. He's like, man, with this amount of money, he truly could yet, you know? He could be wealthy. They were looking at one another rather than the prisoners. The offer was tempting. And then he remembers. He remembers Grady, Moran, Lathe, you know, all of his men who died, the interrogation out in the cold with Singh, 
the machine pistol wavered. He kind of lowers the gun down a little bit and then just whips it back up and just pistol whips the dude like right across the back of the head. Uh, just absolutely just destroys this dude. Just pistol whips the shit out of him. It rules. It totally rules. It plays both. Com- I love the bait and switch from the author and then the comedic timing of the. It's funny. It's yeah, very cinematic. It's, comed- it's funny. Yeah, yes. it is. Because <laughs> he really does lead you along. Like you were like, oh man, he might. Uh, I don't know. He might take it. Shawak. You know, he won't, but he. <laughs> they do lead you on just enough. That uh, it's very good. Yeah. And I, I will also say Keith deserves a lot of credit for throwing this character in as the ISF agent. And then the whole time, like, played it like chill and cool. And then like right off the cuff, he was like, let me throw a wrench in this whole plan. Let me just just take me to Luthien, man. I'm not asking for much. And it's just in enough where it's like the cadence of that to make tour question is plausible. So similar, I, I won't say to the intensity that Step Duke recall up where you were like, damn, I got this dude down pat. But it was enough to stand out from the other characters introduced throughout the series to say, this ISF agent is like not out here to goof around. He right. is all business all the time. And for Tor to be like, whack, get this dude out of my sight. Yeah, but like also they were they're not gonna give him a bunch of money, dude. They're just gonna kill him. Right. When they yeah. get to Luthien. What do you mean? It's literally Luthien. It's like, oh yeah, man. And then we'll go to Luthien. And then we'll give you a bunch of money and then we'll just let you go. And Tor's like, what am I stupid? And then you can move to a farm upstate where yeah. there's plenty of room to run around. And yeah, it's cool. To, so they take him down to the hold. You know, they're like, you know, take him down to the hold, strap him in and watch him. And he goes down there and he's checking out. They got some prisoners and stuff. Because remember, there was already some people on here. And uh, it's General Varney. General Varney's down there. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's Varney. And Varney's just like, heck yeah, dude, let's go. He just joins up immediately. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm t- like, yeah. Tor shows up and he's like, you guys DTF, down to fly. And I, he's like, hell yeah, count I, me in. I do like the, uh, what a resourceful young man you are. <laughs> and then after he's got his new force, he's got everything together. He's got Varney at his side, he sits down in his pilot chair, sends the message over. Ready, oh, yeah. ready, ready. And then it's yeah. closes it out with, then Tor sat back to wait. Another cool ass tour scene yeah. to round it up. Each one of these scenes has been them at the end of it. The other character signals the other that their stage is complete. And miraculously, uh, it all seems to be going well so far. Next to, uh, I guess, tackling is- somebody and hoping you're not going to get shot. Yeah, yeah, I guess that part's not going so well, which <laughs> but, is where we're about to go back to. Yeah, that's we get to find out the ramifications of that coming up in the next chapter. Chapter 28. We cut back to Grayson. He's still sneaking out of the castle. Or trying to. He ends up in the vehicle bay. Yeah, he always ends up in the vehicle bay. This is what Grayson does. Brent, I don't think this is the last time we see him trying to escape a place and end up in the mech bay. That's true. It is not. Also, by sneaking, I presume you mean... Frantically the way. Frantically, you know, it's like in Metal Gear Solid when you uh, have alerted all the guards and then you're just trying to get somewhere safe. After you've sworn you're going to do it sneaky this time. Exactly. Only for Grayson, there's no reset button. Yeah. 
This is the bit he kills that soldier and takes his uniform. Yes, we need to talk about this because I I got a lot of respect for Keith for adding this in here. You know, Grayson's like, I didn't mean to kill this guy. And, uh, but he did because sometimes when you're doing these things, bad stuff happens. There's no... This isn't, I like that this isn't just some G.I. Joe, you know, everyone's okay, you know. No Vulcan uh, death grip on this one. Exactly. It's just like, oh, he fell over. It's like, oh, he kicked this guy in the face and now he's not ever getting up ever again. It went from, they're going to look for me in a Trollwan uniform. I need to be in a Draconis uniform. This dude's charging at me in a Draconis uniform. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, what was a fun kick uh, was a lethal blow. Oh, no. Ain't nobody setting no phasers to stun in this universe, buddy. <laughs> Not in these coming chapters. No. And uh, so he steals this guy's uniform, feels a little bad for killing him, not meaning to, and uh, moves on. Yep. Has a big old ain't it a shame moment. And- Checks his laser. It was a Mark XX Starbeam. Maybe it's a 20. Combine model. He knew from weapons text. Brent, do you have an experience with the Mark XX Starbeam? I really don't. You've, uh, you ever ran one of those? Can't say I have. Shouldn't be too difficult to figure out. Beam intensity controlled there, power on, pull the handle on the backpack, grip safety. You can work it. It's easy. What's going on anyway? What's in the repair bay? Uh-oh. It's the Shadowhawk. We've been here before. This is where you cut the to the scenes, you know? It's like, tsh, 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 tsh. you get the carnage from earlier. You get a few of the, all the blood's flashbacks. been cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. It's all clean, but he's like looking around and he can see like all the, all the bodies, all the carnage. This is the same, this is the same mm-hmm. place, isn't it? This is like the same place. Yeah. There's like a gantry in here, you know? <laughs> There's a gantry. That's you true. You get a gantry in this one. <laughs> yeah. Do they, do they gantry, say it? <laughs> do they say the G word? They do say the G word. <laughs> the dreaded G Dang. word. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll get to it here in a minute. But yeah, he's getting that flashback of like, last time I was in here, the Shadowhawk was laying down. It was all torn apart. And he lost some uh, some buddies, some mm-hmm. men. But now he's staring at it fully standing up, repaired, ready to go. And he gets that idea of like, maybe that's my Shadowhawk now. But he's like, I can't just climb in there, but I really want to. He wants, he's like, I want to take it. We get a bit about, he's like, man, you know, they could have... And probably have, you know, retuned the neuro helmet for some other dude or um, who knows, maybe like set some passwords, whatever. He's like, there's a lot of unknowns. This might not work, but uh, it seems he's like, it's probably better being up there than running around here. And so. Wait, Brent, you know what I just thought about? What about the passcodes? I, that's In I, the other books. They have those voice imprinted passcodes. They bring it up all the time. It's not in this book, is it? No, I was making a call forward there. Uh, they don't particularly mention it, but yes, in a certain other trilogy, they do mention. Also, Battletech authors only mention it when it's like Prudence. they want the character to say something cringe. That's <laughs> what it seems. Every time it comes up, it's like. That's true. He gets in his cockpit and he's like, he's like, honor is for the strong of heart. And it's like, welcome aboard. And I'm like, what is this? Why is They all just want that big O moment, uh, which I know didn't exist in the 80s, but- (laughs) They do. It's very anime. But we don't get that here. 
And to be fair to the universe, I don't think everyone sets a password for their mech. I I mean, honestly, having your neural helmet tuned to you is kind of almost a soft password in its... Everybody, I do love that. Everyone, Aaron doesn't know this. Everyone gets to set a little voice imprinted password for your mech so no one can take it. And the computer scans your voice and you get to set your own little phrase. And so everyone gets to set their own little phrase... Again, if you choose to have a password. If you choose, what what would your be? Listeners, write in advice at heat.management. Tell me, what would your mech startup phrase be? That's advice at heat.management. Moving back, Grayson's in the thing. He's looking at the Shadowhawk. He's like, dang, if only I had some kind of giant diversion. Cut to Lori in the Locust. Hunched, you know, they're hunched down in the rocks. Locust, Wasp, and Stinger, they're crouched by the Wadi. I know we've already established that there's a, there's a periscope, but I like this. I, I've always liked the idea of, like, you know, this crouched Locust and, like, Lori Calmer's out on top. You know, like, the wind's blowing, like, loose clothing, and uh, she's looking through some electro binoculars and, you know, like, scanning the horizon. Oh, that would definitely be the the movie scene yeah. that you would see with it, is, like, somebody climbing back in. It's like, we got the signal, boys. Yep. And so we get another one of our little heist montage moments where it's like, the signal's gone through. Tour signal received to the right people. Yeah, there's no... They just like roll into it. It, it just cuts to Lori and she's like, we got the signal, go. And the mechs just stand up and just full sprint. Like they're just uh, start heading straight for the spaceport. And um, we learn that, what is it? They have a target. It's the fuel tanks. Hydrogen tanks, are they? they yes. um, they're, they're like, look, we just got to get in, hit the tanks and get out, right? It's just going to be fast, hit and run. A little later, we learn that these are. This is specifically what's being used to fuel the dropships. But uh, I'm getting ahead of us. Sorry. I love they're just sprinting their mechs across the whatever rocky field. It's all deserty, frozen terrain. And Inselman comes over the radio. We got PBIs at 270. And Lori's it's like, I'm you know, I'm like, what's it? What's a PBI? And then you look down here, it, it, it tells you PBIs, mech warrior slang for poor bloody infantry, uh, which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. I don't think that ever gets, I, I don't think any I've of never, books I've read, I never ever say that again. Yeah. It's just, Enzelman just made it up. Enzelman just, he just says that. That's the thing he says. It's like, oh, that's just his thing. I like the no, idea just, of everyone just, kind of being with like, it. what's PBI? Yeah. And I also, when I first read that, I was like, PBI? And I was like, that must be our, like, general TV edit of what you would call that. Yeah. Uh, Poor bloody infantry. It's like, what are we, the 1800s wars in England? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, English people still talk like that. Yes. And here comes the hate mail. Yep. But they hit them. They get in. Once again, this phase is successful. They appear to laser the tanks, and they explode. And then they're like, let's go, like... They blast, they start running off. This is a great plan. Typical hit and run. Move in with fast, you know, cavalry-esque units, something that can move quick and get out quick, and a nice soft target. This is like textbook uh, hit and run. They're hitting something that's soft, being the uh, hydrogen tanks. It's going to make a big explosion, and uh, they're going to be gone before anyone that can respond will respond. Yes, 
and then you get the hard cut back to Grayson. He's crouched by the, you know, by the Shadowhawk watching all the guards. Huge explosion. Now the guards are like, you know, they're attacking. Let's go. You know, the alarms go off. Discipline broke. Sir, soldiers turn in their ranks. Laser fire. Claxton's firing. Grayson knew it was now or never. Yeah, man, he goes for it. He starts climbing that ladder. It's the, uh, it's tackling that guard all over again, you know? Yeah. What a thrill. He's heading up the gantry. Oh, they said it. They said it. They He's starting it. up the ladder of the gantry. I have it highlighted because I read it. <laughs> I was so excited that they said gantry. Yeah. So, I, it is. Don't worry, listeners. I have officially learned what a gantry is for your pleasure. I don't know why he was trying to climb up the recovery truck, but... <laughs> luckily the explosion also draws the pilot out turns out there was a dude in there as well of course there was and you know he's been in there the whole time he lives in there that's remember he never left and he comes out to take a look yeah he he pops out to take a look and but grayson's climbing up this chapter ends with the dude like looking down and he's like, huh? And he just sees Grayson like huh, huh, coming up the ladder at him. And the dude's like, huh? And he like reaches for his pistol. And then the scene like cuts. I know? love this. And you're like, wow. This is great. It's it's very comical. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's. And it is comical. not intended to be comical. <laughs> but there is that moment where like after we have riffed on Grayson so many times, there's that like there's a dude that just looks over the edge and sees Grayson. Grayson stares back at him. This like, chapter- wide eyed like. This chapter, <laughs> this chapter in totally gives me like JoJo, uh, to be continued, uh, yeah. vibes. Like it's just like the like anime kaching, yeah. like, and then it's just done, you know, JoJo theme. <laughs> Cause it is, uh, just that moment, just seeing Grayson, like staring dumb at the guy like, <laughs> and the guy like unstrapping a leather holster, like it, what? Yeah. And it's like time to spin the Grayson wheel <laughs> yeah. and we won't find out the result of which two options come up. <laughs> until we cut back in the next chapter. Chapter 29. We cut immediately back to Grayson climbing up the ladder. He manages to scramble onto the scaffolding, right? There's like a little platform up there so the pilot can climb in and out. And gantry, if you will. <laughs> so he climbs up. Pilot has his pistol out. Grayson's got his rifle. Pilot tells him, drop the gun. You know, Grayson drops the rifle. I love the pilot tells him, though, he's like, this is restricted area up here, fella. He calls him fella. Which I thought was so funny. It's like, this dude just had a gun. And he's like, are you sure you're in the right place? <laughs> to go back a few lines, I also like the added detail. The man's voice was shrill, but a bit unsteady. This is the most unconfident Shadowhawk pilot ever. Well, 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 pardon me, buddy. Uh, listen, I, I don't think you're supposed to be up here. Listen, listen here. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> right. So Grayson, he grabs, he's got like the laser backpack, right? Because you need for all the energy. He pulls it up. He uses it like a shield. And uh, the pilot shoots at him. He misses. Um, he misses completely, luckily. And Grayson, what, he falls into the cockpit. There's a whole scuffle. They're wrestling, they're grappling, the pilot, he's grabbing for his pistol, he's kicking him, they're biting. Um, 
he kicks him off. Yeah, we he, right? roll, he, he tosses kicks, him off. We rolled uh, the Grayson wheel again, spun yep. it, and it click, 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 click. Uh, run and tackle someone. And uh, <laughs> option one always wins on the Grayson wheel. Uh, he didn't try to lie. Give and so you, for that. you get the uh, classic, oh man, I just forgot what it's called. What's the uh, Star Wars? The They're not the Star Wars, the... Uh, the Wilhelm? Yes, the Wilhelm scream. You get the Wilhelm scream. Like the... Totally. Ah! You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right here, the dude falls off the thing. I'm just saying that's where I would put it in the movie. Uh, so he's in the cockpit. There's dudes shooting at him. He shoots back at him. It's like a whole thing. He's like shooting at him from the cockpit. They're shooting at him. He manages to reach up and pull the thing down, though, right? Like seal himself in. Yeah. He's having a real like behind the bar shootout situation from the cockpit. You know, some like ducking down, pew, pew, like getting back down behind the cockpit again till he says, fuck it. And just close it. <laughs> yeah. He starts doing, he's frantically doing the startup sequence, putting the neuro helmet on. It's got the, remember, it makes you all dizzy as you start to, as it orients to your uh, equilibrium. It's very disorienting and you, it has to sync with your brainwave patterns and whatnot. I like how they describe it as as soon as he like sticks it on, he's like, oh, I know what this is like. And then he reaches out for the two knobs between the yep. oscilloscope and he's like, changing the dials and i was like wow what a weird you know retro futuristic yeah. way to adjust your yeah. brainwave signal and he's like one yeah. line good to go i'm not sick anymore but i i don't know why it just tickled me in a great way yeah 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 it's awesome though the board's all green it's totally good he's logged in he's got it it's all G -G. working his left hand took the conning stick his right the weapons grip his foot kicked off the leg locks the machine took a step forward. The gantry scaffolding exploded. <laughs> Not the gantry. That's a goodbye gantry for me. The gantry scaffolding exploded outward <laughs> in a cloud of spinning shards and fragments. It's awesome, right? It he just he destroys the gantry, Brent. I'm sorry. I, uh, he absolutely obliterates this thing. Rest in peace. It's a just a pile of splinters. I, I like how they describe that as it like kicks to life and you get that cool like scene out of it where it's just like oh shit the monster's awake um and then it's like cuts back race and seeing the doors close and he's like what closes the doors uh, <laughs> and he remembers the little control booth yeah from the control booth <laughs> yeah this it gets a little austin powers here <laughs> Look, and so he looks up and there's a dude up there and he's like so then he like explodes it <laughs> he like locks eyes with the aztec and it cuts back and, and the aztec's like shaking his head and then the and then the doors stop and i'm like that's a real dicey play there grayson like there was no guarantee that they were gonna stop because you exploded the control booth uh, i was kind of surprised at his decision there but you know it, it, you know it worked out again we roll on the uh the grayson wheel and uh tackle it is and i just i like i said i see this austin powers scene there's this it's like the guy like shaking his head like no please and grayson's just like mm. <laughs> yeah there's a poster behind Good him night. That says, shoot here to stop doors closing <laughs> yes you know dude, 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 he's out yeah uh, he shoots it i i the like doors stop i like how he there's a comment about how uh it feels like the feet are full of lead compared to the locust uh which uh Brings me to talking about the Shadowhawk. My co-host are okay with it. We can't stop you. That's true. So. Um, I'll just talk over everyone. <laughs> the Shadowhawk's a 55-ton mech with a maximum speed of 86.4 kph, hence the lead in the feet. It's got a uh, 
AC5 and LRM5 and an SRM2, followed up by a complementary medium laser. It doesn't pack a walloping punch, but it kind of does a little bit of everything. And it's not a bad skirmisher, and it's not a bad assistant to the scout mech. And it looks good while doing it. That's true. It's a very iconic uh, mech, especially if you're a fan of... That's a show um, we can't say. I gotta bleep that out now. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the unheard. <laughs> That's really it. It's a uh, it's a medium mech. It's Grayson's now. Yep. Everyone, they forgot to mention that the Shadowhawk is cool because it's got a big gun on the shoulder. That's true. The gun That's why is I like on it. the shoulder. And, and it's sick. You're up there. It's right next to the head. It's just a big old cannon. That's the auto cannon, I believe. It does seem like if I was a mech pilot, that would be scary to me, and I wouldn't want the gun right. It is head, right next to your cockpit. Uh, I imagine really that's cool. loud, but don't worry. I think a little bit of mud in your ears might yeah, solve that problem. <laughs> Nothing's louder than thunder rift. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring Mara in the cockpit of this next time. It is more spacious. <laughs> oh, you've also got SRMs in the head. So you've got everything, like, right there. First test pilot comes out of a shadow hawk when they were producing it. And it's like, how was the trip? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's called the shadow hawk. Yeah. You know, how cool is that? It's probably one of the cooler. It's a pretty cool name. It is not avian in appearance whatsoever, though. It's just a dude with a gun on his shoulder. It's a dude with a gun on his shoulder. It's a dude with a gun. Yeah, that's true. But Shadowhawk is cooler than dude with gun on his shoulder. Yes. It's iconic. It's, you know, I find it hard to believe anyone coming to listen to this, unless you're completely new to Battletech, it's unlikely that you haven't seen a Shadowhawk, especially if you've played a game of armor combat, because as of now, uh, the Shadowhawk comes in the game of armor combat. There's a game about this? That's true. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of great mechs that are dudes with guns on their shoulder but don't forget another favorite of mine which is a uh it's a gun with the dude on his shoulder it's the hollander <laughs> the also have a mech that's similar to that the what in the what oh you've got to censor that <laughs> yes yes so grayson he is in the shadow hawk it's like you get the whole powering up transformation sequence. He explodes the gantry. He comes triumphantly stomping out of the mech bay. He's a uh, remember he's on that the parade field. If you remember, it's like a raised area, right? It's like cuz they're up on a plateau. And so he has to get down. I like it does say he didn't dare cut in the jump jets uh because he's not used to it. He's like I'm he's like I'm just going to take the hit because I don't want to if I was a better pilot, I'd feather it down, but uh, I'm not used to this thing. So I'm just going to kind of take it easy. Oh, that was cool. But he opens up his radio. He's getting some comm traffic. He hears a voice. He thinks it's Tor. It says it's like really scrambly. Yeah. He said because it was, it was that he couldn't tell if it was Tor or not. Yeah. But uh, there's a, uh, the dropships requesting clearance for launch. He's like, we got to go now. And the, he can hear the towers like, I don't have the authorization. And he hears the other voice cut in. It's like, listen, uh, Captain Yorinabi of the ISF, uh, he's given me orders to launch immediately. And then so Grayson just kind of watches. He's trying to make it back to where he's heading. They're all heading it back to Thunder Rift or he's going to the rendezvous. But as he's heading out, he's catching these frequencies and he sees the dropship totally leaves. They clear him for takeoff. And they also, after he's seeing it take off, they go into the 
explanation about the hydrogen tanks about how that was used to fuel the drop ships and how like right. if it sat in the ship it was it, like it caused more damage than good so they yeah. would just load it right before it was ready to launch which is where they it's just the explanation of giving them the like that's how we knew it was getting ready to launch i don't want to completely so i really do want to nerd out a little bit here because there's some cool physics stuff going on with hydrogen fuel fuel and the fact that you know the particles are so small that it's just going to leak out of like anything you have to have like some weird shielding in order to contain this stuff. And, uh, I thought it was, I thought this was a cool bit of like hard tech and hard sci-fi. And I missed, you know what? I missed this stuff. I've said it before, but I missed this stuff kind of going forward. You don't get as much it's interdispersed, but we don't get as much of this like little hard sci-fi stuff, uh, as we get in like this book, I feel. I've said this a and, bunch already. Uh, yeah, but. but they, you know, they keep it short. They keep it sweet. Brent, are you saying that hydrogen fuel has an unfortunate tendency to diffuse through unshielded tanks if, if it's left sitting for more than a few hours? I'm just saying, I think it's cool that someone like thought about the physics of this, and that's totally true. Hydrogen is hard to contain because of the nature of its size. It just kind of escapes out of shit. You're right. It's awesome. He watches it go up, and he is just like, man, you know, we're, uh, I hope. I hope it's going all right. Anyway, let me call Lori. Hopefully we're not. (laughs) He's like, that's either a good or bad sign. Don't know. (laughs) But let me not get shot. Yeah. Yeah. He calls. Well, he gets on the comm channel and he's like, Lancer one, this is Grayson. And because Lori wasn't expecting him in like a mech, like he cuts in and she's like, what? Who, Who is this? And he's like, you know, it's Grayson. I'm coming. I'm coming with the Shadow Hawk. And it's like, oh, weird. Uh, Okay. But they're just like, yeah, I mean, uh. Stick with the plan. We'll see you at the rendezvous because that's where they're. I guess they're going back to Thunder Rift. Are they going all the way back? Yeah, towards the mountains. So they have some sort of rally point set up. It seems like. Yeah, he calls Lori, and she's like, "Cool, cool, Grayson. <laughs> well, uh, we'll meet you at the. Uh, we'll meet you at the thing." And he's like, "Thanks." And he's like, just kind of keeps bumbling along in the Shadowhawk. It's awesome. It feels like this is when the. You know, this is the hero putting on the armor or whatever yeah. of the story. Quite literally. Yeah, it's awesome. And metaphorically. It's awesome. I did like this. What, Brent, wait, what? Uh, what's the shadow? What's I don't have a mental... What is it painted like? What does it look like? So... This, this shadow uh, hawk, this shadow, is, this right shadow, this So this shadow hawk, if you give me a moment, I will pull it up. But this shadow hawk... Unless it's already been repainted by the pirates, it would still be in the pattern of the Carlisle's commandos. Um, so let me, uh, if you give me one moment, I will look up on Master Unit List, because I'm not sure what um, the Carlisle commandos color scheme looks like. Yeah, because they don't say it here in the book. Okay, so... Uh, So according to Unit Color Compendium, Carlisle's commandos are painted in a blue and green camouflage pattern. It's kind of a dark but lighter blue and a uh, kind of forest green. Dang, so it probably is painted like that, huh? Yeah, it's probably still rocking. That's a good... I never thought about it. Thank you. After... Grayson calls Lori and they agree to meet up. We cut to this long section that just describes in great detail the practicalities and uh, mechanics of the jump ships, right? Because the whole thing about this universe, 
what, it's 3024 now, and they can traverse space very quickly. They can jump up to 30 light years at a time using these machines, the jump ships. Brent, tell me about the jump ships. Tell me about I mean, tell me about Kearney Fushita drives. What's going on? It's uh, You've got a 14-day spin-up time, right? So, boom, uh, you teleport from you know point to point uh, with a short intermediate time of going through, uh, I don't know, the entire universe all at once and feeling it all. It's a weird sensation, apparently. The way some of the future books describe jumping, you're right. It is... You travel to a higher dimension for like both an infinite and like infinitely small amount of time where you're, it's, uh, it's really messed up. It's like terrifying and people have all these really adverse reactions to it. It's a very like violent process. Uh, it sounds terrible, by the way. Every, every time I read about it, I'm like, oh God, this sounds brutal. It's some real, like, it seems like some real like psychedelic experience. Yeah. But to follow that up, as I was saying, it, it takes about 14 days to completely recharge to make another jump. So this is integral into how travel happens in the inner sphere. And even as we get to the current era of 3151, it's still the same way even now. It kind of makes it uh, hard to get places. And so... If you're you're trying to invade someone, you really have to do a lot of strategic prep work, uh, right? Uh, because you're gonna have some downtime. Jump ships are also cool because they use kind of a perceived sci-fi technology of the solar sail. This is something I don't feel like it's talked a lot about, and uh, I don't know a lot about solar sails, but I'm getting out of my own britches. To uh, specifically quote. Wikipedia, solar sails are a method of spacecraft propulsion using radiation pressure exerted by sunlight on large mirrors. A number of spaceflight missions to test solar propulsions and navigation have been proposed since the 1980s. The first spacecraft to make use of said technology was Icaros, I-K-A-R-O-S. Icaros, launched in 2010. So, I guess it's not sci-fi anymore. I guess it's at literally being used. This is cool, though. Literally using pressure from solar radiation. Some big brain stuff. I think it's cool that we see it here in Battletech back in 1983. You see it in other hard sci-fis prior to this, but... uh. I don't know. I thought it was cool. It's very cool. I was in a coma for the last few days. Are we are we past jump ships now? No, we're still in jump <laughs> ships, bud. Oh no. Uh, put me back. <laughs> no, no, I will agree. This is a very cool little detailed segment to you know, explain something that I guess is probably one of the most important things that we're gonna t- discuss onwards. I mean, this is how warfare. war is conducted, yeah. this is how trade is conducted, all of this, it's all suffering at this fourteen day cycle. Suffering or at the whims of it. Now, there are ways around the 14-day recharge time, but they are very dangerous. What's interesting is that it does – this is where it says the civilization – human civilization can no longer build new vessels of these. They can't build new ones. And uh, so they have – for example, like the Invidious, the uh, tour ship, it was at least three centuries old. 
300 years old, these things, they just been using these same ships and they blew up so much stuff. They can't make more of them. How well, funny is that? It's not that they I, can't make more of them. It's that they're not good at making them anymore. And the ones they are making, they're making at a really slow pace and they don't really understand the process. They're still making them, but it's one of those things where if like any of those literally, they're, plants literally down, they're like, how does it work? And they're just like, someone just pulls out a whiteboard and they write, trust the process. <laughs> so we actually have two jump ships here. Uh, we have a merchant class jump ship, which is tours. And then we have a invader class jump ship. Yes. And they're at the same uh, jump point. Which is interesting. This is also where they detail the jump points, the whole uh, zenith and nadir. We get a little bit of it with the planning between Tor and Grayson a little earlier, but yeah, this is oh, where yeah. we get. Yeah, that's true. This is where we get a a kind of like more detailed dive, and basically that uh, this is how it works, more or less, is that stars have magnetic fields at their poles, just like any other stellar objects such as planets moons etc and those magnetic fields are kind of what uh astrogation guys use to judge where they're going to jump in and that creates two points uh one at the north pole of a star and one at the south pole of, of a star hence the and that being the zenith and nadir point in that order <clears throat> Guys, how do you talk? Can someone remind me how you're supposed to talk? Take a couple words, you put them in a sentence. Thanks. And once they're there, you have a statement. <laughs> That's right, Brent. <laughs> no. And the Combine jump ship is only parked 12,000 kilometers away. Only 12,000 kilometers away, boys. Uh, unfortunately, as it says here, by space navigation standards, 12,000 kilometers was practically next door, which I thought was pretty funny. They're pretty much in their backyard. The only good thing here is that uh, there's a little agreement between successor states to not destroy these jump ships. Boarding and capturing, fine and okay, as long as you're not damaging any of the important systems or subsystems. But as far as interstellar battle between these jump ships that's a no-go from everybody and so even though they're sitting right on top of each other it really doesn't mean much unless the draconis jump ship has a drop ship full of infantry ready to react to the merchant drop ships whims so tor he's worried about that combine jump ship i mean he realizes the problem is if if this cover if if anything gets blown at all. If anything goes wrong, they will be alerted and they will destroy us, right? We have no chance. We are committed now. That's a bit worrying. And uh, he's also worried because he realizes that they'll both be communicating with the planet's surface, but not with each other. And so they, there will be a delay of communication because they'll have to bounce one down and then they'll bounce one up. So if anything happens... They, there's a very tight window and he has to be careful that he doesn't do anything suspicious or that will alert the forces on the ground and then they'll ambush Grayson. So it goes both ways. Nothing can go wrong, right? That's the thing about this plan is that nothing can go, there's no wiggle room. So while the jump ships won't attack each other, the fact that they can communicate with the ground and alert them, that's a real big problem staring them all in the face. 
it's everything's got to go perfect, just like Kanan said. And uh, before we had hopped in this previous chapter, they did mention that due to the nature of all of this, they could not be in contact with the jump ship yep. with the Invidious uh, at any point during this process. So they just had to trust everything's going well on both sides for two days. It, yeah, it just means they just have to hope for the best. And uh, what a great way to create tension if you're writing a book about events happening in the world of Battletech. Yep. Exactly, that both teams are just hanging on to the fact that hopefully both of them pull it off. And I guess we'll see. The plan requires very precise timing. And then we don't even get a chapter break. It just immediately goes right back to Trail One, 50 hours after sunrise. So we are, the sun is up. Trell had crawled clear of the horizon. Sun has risen. The second attack will begin soon. They're going to hit him again, boys. Unfortunately... In the two days since the last attack, the Combine um, has deployed two companies of mechs. It's 24 mechs. So a direct assault is a suicide. So they need to figure something out because they got to hit that those communications. They have to destroy the antenna and the comms tower and whatnot, all that stuff, so that the jump ships can't talk to each other, right? This is exactly what Tor was talking about. So now they're down here and they're like, look, we got to make it. I mean, this is a real indoor kind of a thing. You know, they got to go do something so that something up there, you know, it's a uh, two concurrent plots. So they have this plan, right? They, you, so you, you, you got the three light mechs, you got Lori, you got Enzelman, and you got the other guy. Who's the other guy? Does anyone remember his name? Yes, he is a important character going forward. Sergeant. Uh, oh, I thought I did. It's Yarin. Oh. Yeah, Yarn. I was thinking about someone else, apparently. You got Lori, you got Enzelman, you got Yarn. They're going to roll in. They're going to hit him. They're going to hit the, they're just going to do it again. They're like, just hit the tank. You know, it worked last time. Just hit those tanks again. It's funny. Did, doesn't it say that, Heron? Doesn't it just yeah. say, yeah, they're just going to hit the tanks again. But and then they know away. they're going to take, yeah. they're going to take heavy fire. And there's going to be which, a pursuit this time. Yes. So I want to talk about this for a second because this is also kind of a uh, war rule of thumb is uh, you try to never take the same action twice, especially not two times in a row. And as you guys were already mentioning, they're going to find out the hard way why. Because uh, it turns out after the first time, usually someone's gotten their ass chewed and they're going to have someone sitting there because they can to guard it. Well, and I will say to their credit, that's why they did it. Totally. It's because it was it was the feigned action of blowing up the tanks was their intent, but it wasn't. It was all a smokescreen to get Grayson in there with the Shadowhawk to destroy right. the comms tower. Because Grayson's going to, he's I, laying I up I disagree with you. I still think they probably should have, while this does work, I do think they probably could have come up with a better alternative plan that would have been, that would have put people in less harm. But- uh, well, they talked about it, actually. They do discuss that. Yeah. Um, in here saying, like, Grayson could have tried to sneak in and place charges at the tower. But whatever happened, they basically said, we have to come up with a plan that ensures the tower goes down in a single strike. Totally. So, so no one knows what's happening when it happens. We are we are putting Brent on record as having said that Grayson could have come up with a better plan that would have put less people in harm's way. But only in this instance. <laughs> Three lights. They hit the thing. Grayson, you said, he's laying up in the cut. It's like a delaying tactic. He's not joining the initial battle, so they can draw the heat off. It's like, they're going to take the bait. They're going to chase them. And the light mechs will lead them back to their like ambush point. 
And then Grayson will then activate the Shadowhawk, go in and destroy the communications, destroy the antenna and the uh, control tower and all so, that. And that's the big objective here, right? Is getting that comms tower down because that's going to make sure everything gets kicked off. If anything has to work, that is what has to work, which is why all the risks, right? Oh, yeah. Also, of course, they then, the Lancers will then have to fight two companies of mechs out there in the desert as well, right? They will also have to not get all killed. That would be... Uh, and that's the trick, right? Because protracted fighting with the mechs they have versus the mechs they will potentially be fighting is not the best odds. It's this here. Grayson's thinking to himself, could three light mechs and a handful of half-trained troops survive an all-out attack by three full lances of medium and heavy mechs? You know, probably not. But we'll see, won't we? You know, he's a little concerned that he may be leading his friends into another death trap, just like before. That's uh, reasonable. You did. He did get a lot of people killed. Well, you know, well, you know, it wasn't his fault. We, you know, we all read the book. Except when it was. I don't gotta, we don't got to go back over it. But yes, and we leave off, uh, you know, and the same thing that we've had kind of the whole time is he's going over the parts of the plan that are going to happen right now, and we don't get a lot of further embellishment on what the plan is to come. So right now it's just three light mechs go in, cause as much damage as they can, run out as quick as they can, and drag whatever mechs are pursuing them out of the way on the opposite end of the pace so Grayson can come in and take out the comm tower. And he's just in his mech sweating bullets, waiting for the final moments to kick it off. We're next chapter. Chapter 30. The final seconds ticked away, and then it was time. The attack begins. Grayson is watching his lance mates. It's excruciating to him. He's watching. It's it's Lori Kalmar. It's Garrick Enzelman. It's Yarin. It's Yarin. It's Yarin. <laughs> Everybody Question loves marks. Yarin. That's my favorite uh, sitcom. <laughs> they hit it though. They uh, this chapter's hitting it. We got Lori Locust. She's always. Uh, I love her. Locust is so flexible in this. It's always described as bending down and like around things and crouching around and under. It's uh, it's very cool, articulate. They're shooting. There's auto cannons. It's a mess. They hit them with uh, smoke, right? They have smoke missiles. It's like a big smoke screen. They have ECM on. They have the electronic countermeasures. Grayson's watching all the action through a camera feed. He's in the Shadowhawk. He's powered down nearby, just kind of watching the action. And he sees some mechs coming in. We got some, uh, we got some heavy mechs. The near mech was a rifleman. A 60-tonner with paired over-under lasers and autocannons mounted in place of the arms. Heck yeah, dude. The rifleman rules. Ah, the rifleman. Oh, I'm here. (laughs) Don't you forget about me. The rifleman. RFL-3N. It's a really cool-looking mech. In practice, it's really good at what it's supposed to do. It's guns the mech. It's guns the mechs. Do you like guns? Because we have guns. For arms. You've played Guns the Duel. Here's, <laughs> yeah. the, here's the battle mech. Oh, what a pull. Oh, God. We got a cool-looking radar dish up top. We've got, uh, if I recall correctly, we've got two large lasers. 
two AC5s. So that's two of what Grayson's got on his Shadowhawk. Dang. And then uh, two medium lasers to follow it all up. And not anywhere near enough heat sinks to fucking make this thing work. It's oh, However, no. this thing's a VTOL's worst nightmare, which is what it was designed for. It's yeah. a anti-air mech. If you've ever wished that an anti-air gun could get up and walk around, well, well we've got a mech for you. That's this who, is your whom's mech. among us has not. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to learn more about the rifleman, I'm sure someone's made a video or something. Somebody that has a nickname that's similar to the largest state in the United States. Go check out Texas videos, folks. He's going to go into far more detail than I am. However, uh, I you know what? This thing's iconic, right? I still absolutely love the Rifleman, regardless of its faults. And I think that faults included, this thing's not a bad flanker. You know, you throw this thing around the edge of the battlefield. As long as you don't let it get tied down and let someone really use its own heat to uh, its disadvantage, it's not a bad heavy mech. And uh, it's definitely not what this crew of misfits in a light locust, a medium shadowhawk, and a light wasp really want to be messing with. Essentially, these mech, you know, these are supposed to be kind of rear echelon mechs that, uh, due to the insane amount of warfare going on throughout the succession wars, were forced into frontline service. Oh, yes. I believe Tex describes it as an era will, where a mech warrior will drive anything into anything. Yes, I do believe that's the line. Like I said, not the greatest frontline mech, but definitely not what Grayson and his stream team really want to run into right now. Yeah, and it, it'd be terrible if it was just that. But uh, It'd be even worse if something else came out right behind it. What else do we have here? Oh, beyond the rifleman was the 55-ton bulk of a wolverine, with the odd protuberance of a laser turret built high up in its massively armored chest and heavy autocannon. As shifty as I feel about the rifleman, I don't feel shifty at all about the wolverine. And uh, a friend of mine here, a former wolverine pilot himself, I actually kind of want you to talk about it. I'll give its armaments, but why don't you uh, talk about uh, kind of its role? Because I feel like... You know better than I do. Uh, so an SRM-6, um, an AC-5, and a medium laser. And complemented by, uh, and this is something I missed on the Shadowhawk, it's got jump jets, but so does this bad boy. You want to take it up, or did I put oh, you on the spot? No, no, I can I can uh, Wolverine, as far as Intersphere, Mexico, Wolverine's up there for me. I love it. And what I have to say about its role is it's rad. Uh, you can never go wrong with a Wolverine. Every circumstance, every time, uh, you'll never lose. So beats every mech in the game. That's true. Well, that was a bit of an exaggeration from our buddy Aaron here, but uh, here's the deal: um, as far as medium close range brawlers go in the Succession Wars, you would be hard pressed to find a better suited mech in the medium weight category. It's a real giant robot's giant robot. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it looks like. A giant robot. <laughs> it, is, it. it is a giant robot. Congratulations, guys. I do have a love for both the new and the old art. The old art, I do somewhat miss the gimbaled medium laser that's literally on the face of this mech from... <laughs> However, nice. 
The new one is also pretty rad as well. I love how goofy it looks. I'm the biggest defender of the Wolverine. Love it to death. It's thick. It's, it's chonky. It's it's a chonky little medium boy. When it comes to mechs, there are what I would describe as cool mechs, not cool mechs, and goofy mechs. And Wolverine's a goofy mech. Yeah. And I love it. Even its newer iteration is yeah, a little goofy. It's a goofy. little goofy. Um, but you know what? Goofy doesn't get in the way of its effectiveness. And uh, I would always take a Wolverine in a Lance any day. Nope. Nope. Uh, any day I would take a Wolverine. Somebody tell me how to talk. How do I talk? Viewers, write in at heat. Maybe. Oh, so. That, maybe, that, that. <laughs> there it Just is. be organic. Um, Just be organic. Right? <laughs> be organic. Are you tense? Yeah. You're, you're I'm so tense. Um, what tense? you need to say. Is he tense, Aaron? What you mean to say. He's not tense. He's not tense, is he? No, I think I'm tense. A little, a little tense. tense. I'm a little tense. Yeah. Sum it up by saying the Wolverine's rad, and that's all you need. Yeah, but I want to say I'd bring it. I bring I bring a Wolverine along. You know, I'd put one in a. I'd put it in a lance. You know, I'd uh I'd tuck a feather in my hat and call it macaroni. It brings you know? me. It brings me joy to hear that. <laughs> um, but so. Our dynamic duo here of the Rifleman and Wolverine are now just like strolling out. This Towards, makes it way more yeah. terrifying, this combo, right? Because you have the Wolverine that can get in your face, and then you have the Rifleman that can take advantage of that Wolverine being in said face. The light mechs stand no chance. That is what we're going to be pursuing our group of light mechs here. But they're already, you know, they're already making a break for it. If these guys were smart, they would use the their overwhelming speed comparably to these two in order to get out of Dodge. And as my compatriot was just saying, that's exactly what they decided to do. Yep, they pop smoke and haul ass. Good. Yes, they do pop smoke. And as they are retreating, the uh, smoke cloud lit up blue charged particle beam stabbed through the heart. PPC bolt just straight through the smoke. Where did it come from? Who shot it? We don't know. Uh, Grayson thinks it hits Lori. It turns out it didn't. He sees her. He's like, no, she's still up. Um, but he can make out that there's like more heavy mechs coming. He's like, oh man, there's like five more coming through there. Some real fog of war shit. It's brutal. He hates it. He's dying. He's in the cockpit. He's like, oh my God, dude. He's like, I'm going to have to watch him die again. You know, it's happening again. But it's really through Lori. You know, Yaren's freaking out like, I my temperature's up. I got to shut down. You know, kicking your overrides. Oh, right. Yeah. All units, zero check. And so zero check is Grayson's... Uh, Grayson's code to know that it's time for him to go. But before we get to see that action, it, we cut back to Lori to see what's going on, to see uh, how she makes it away. Because they're still chasing her. They never stop chasing her. Uh, she gets up there. The, they they like lead them up there, and they continue to fight. And at, at this point, when we check in, it's uh, the action had been going on for almost an hour with no sign of a let-up. So they're in bad shape. They're all running hot. Um, it's brutal. It's like a whole battle scene. There's a wasp. Garrick's there. What is it? She kills the wasp. The wasp head exploded in smoke and light as the pilot ejected. Yeah, there's a whole... There's that fog of war is still kind of at play here. Yeah, because they're jamming measure or they're they're jamming radar. The the comms they're keeping everything down because they're on the run. There's smoke clouding everything, and there is that moment where a wasp pops out in front of uh, Lori, and She's like, is that our wasp? And she that... has to take a moment to identify right. the correct. That's right. So mech. this is a, a a little hip pocket thing here. This is why it's so important for there to be kind of 
it's essentially a mech's uniform having a specific livery because it means that even in these sticky situations like this where you can't really get a good IFF read, you can go, oh, that's one of my dudes because uh, they've got gray camouflage or they're, they're in all blue. And so she really has a hard time here. And she has to take the time to identify it. When she does, in, in that chance, like the wasp gets a shot off at her, but luckily misses. And she goes, well, that's good enough for me. And fires back and taking out, well. Oh, yeah. Getting us, yeah, landing she, a yeah, strong hit on the wasp. The dude gets out. He uh, pilot ejects. Eventually, uh, what, another wasp shows up, but it's painted like an orange and black tiger stripe. And she's like, oh, that's not my guy. Uh, we would never, yeah. You know, we would never. What's going on here? That's not my wasp. You know, they're blasting them. Good shooting. They're all working together. They're focus firing. Yep, and they're they're trying to coordinate, making sure they're getting into the same place, and you know, bobbing and weaving, staying out of the way. Oh yeah, she crushes this thing too. The beam savaged the wasp head, leaving a twisted, smoking, half molten ruin where the pilot had been sitting mm-hmm. a second before. But she didn't have time to gloat. It's like, Lori, you just killed him. Like, what do you mean? You just melted a man. She's like, I don't have time. Uh, I'll, I'll gloat later. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is, I, I mean, because so much is going on in this chapter, we can't even really do this really cool scene justice because we are going to have so much combat that we are dipping in and out of here because they are really on the run. So there's this kind of frantically paced, like, there's a mech, like engage it, boom, 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 boom. And that's yeah. how it, that's how it really reads, yeah. right? Is this? It's this frantic, you know. Everyone's trying to understand what's happening while making the best decisions they can with the information that they have, and they're trying to process information, and they're they're all just trying to get out of dodge. It's again back to what I said earlier. You know, in war, you're always trying to make order out of chaos, and right now, chaos is fucking winning, and it's a mess. Yeah, and you know they're they're making all the right choices here because it it seems like a mad scramble. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we got to take out those light max, bam, 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 and it's like we just got to keep these guys that are behind us at enough distance that we're safe. And it's kind of slowly building up to like, oh, there's a plan that they're going through here because they haven't really established what the intent of their scramble is, other than buying the time for Grayson, um, because you know essentially how would they deal with the stuff that's coming up behind them? They lead them into that bomb trap though. Right. They've like laid like mines in the ground or whatever. And they kind of like draw them forward. Lori like kind of kind of draws them forward. And she tells her mosh like blow the bombs. Mm-hmm. That was a uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And so pretty, that's yeah. that's the point where it's kind of like after all of that, it's built up and they've talked about like, OK, we've got there. Just need them a few meters more. And they've got six mechs in pursuit of them at this point, six or more mechs coming up after them. And as soon as they get into the position, those critical mechs, she does order. She says, OK, Sergeant, now. And uh, the explosions detonate, leaving everybody like concussed. <laughs> it does delay them, though. It, bu- it buys them a little time so they can yeah. like, OK, all right, they can kind of regroup. They're giving the enemy a little bit more chaos so maybe they can get a little bit more order yeah and they see uh in the as the dust settles from the explosion of the wall that's collapsed onto these mechs uh they see the rifleman is bent out and done in in the explosion in the debris next thing they see is the rest of the mechs in full retreat Rightfully so, as you know, hey, they just walk into an ambush. So what else yep. is ahead of them? Uh, and they say, uh, you know, it's a good thing, too, because that explosion represented nearly all of the Lancer's small supply of explosives. So and a so real gamble. Yeah, a, a real gamble. But uh, is it, though? 
you lose an entire heavy mech and in this all this chaos and you you don't know you realize that this is an ambush you call a spade a spade and then you go well if this is an ambush there's probably more firepower set up and until we know what that is maybe we should dip the fuck out well and also holy fuck holy fuck (laughs) that was a big explosion yeah i mean Time to, uh, time to back off. And that's yeah. that's how they treat it. Everybody starts, you know, yelling, we won, we won. And then Lori, uh, Lori comes on. And it's like, silence on calm. They're just regrouping. And yeah. it, like, brings that right back to it. It's like, it's not over. They didn't give up. Uh, she talks about how they're just backing down the hill. They're going to regroup, and they're going to start pushing forward. So now it's all on Gray uh, because yeah. they are in a yeah. fight for their life. And she is. She's thinking about it. She's like, come on, man. Just blow the thing up and get up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the best mech. And then I do like right before the chapter ends, it, it, she looks up at Thunder Rift, which is still the actual like rift, the area proper is still like two kilometers behind them. So they have a little space to go, but with each time that they push on them, they get pushed back a little further. Right. And eventually their backs will be against the wall. And she's like, man, yeah, we're, we're kind of running out of room here. Yeah, you know, and it wraps with that statement of their three mechs and hovercraft defenders were rapidly running out of room to run. And that takes us into the next chapter. Chapter 31. We cut back to Tor. He's on the dropship. With the boys, they are almost there. They're approaching the jump ship. However, so far, there appears to be no signs of suspicion. Everything seems to be going well so far. I mean, for the most part, you know, they're getting up to it. The codes check out. It's a tense scene because uh, I swear I was like, man, this isn't something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go really wrong eventually. And uh, it wasn't quite exactly right here. I was worried that it would be. Exactly right here. I do want to point out a uh, a fun little uh, line here. Tor's practice eyes search for signs of damage or incompetence, but found none. I like this. Like it's some real like Han Solo shit as he's, at, you know, as they're uh, making the approach and they're like hitting the verniers, uh, boosting in the opposite direction to slow down. He's like, did they fuck up my girl? And uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> Yeah, he was looking real close at it. Yeah. That's true. I just thought that was uh it's a very small It's been a while. He hasn't, he hasn't seen her in a while, right? Yeah. It's been a it's been a while. I just you know, like I said, it was a small line, but I thought it was fun. Docked. He announced over the intercom, stand by, boarding party, main ship lock. The next few seconds would spell failure or success. That's true. So a lot of self-doubt. He's worried. Everyone's very anxious, right? We're a little tense. It's a little tense right now. We're all a little tense. Cuts back to Grayson. You know, if you recall, he's in the Shadowhawk. He's crouched by the Wadi. We're always crouching by Wadis. <laughs> Hard points. Brent, what's a Wadi? Uh, <laughs> what's a Wadi? A Wadi is essentially the area between two plateaus. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. Wow. So they've just See, that I was, spent that was uh, clean. I good spent, job on that one. I spent uh I don't know, nine months of my life in one. <laughs> That's too long. So they're just hanging out in nature's alleyways. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> nature's alleyways. Yeah, ju- yeah. <laughs> Grayson's just 
He's just a raccoon in nature's trash can. <laughs> and yeah, the spaceport, it's all smoky. Because remember, this is going on at the same time as what we just read with Lori, or even before that, because she led them way out. So this is now we're cutting back to be like, what was Grayson up to while they were out there dealing with all that? And, you know, he's picking up mechs, but he does detect. He's like, they all seem to be, they, they look like they took the bait. They're all going north. They're all chasing after the light mechs. So that's good. So he, uh, cre- you know, creeps on up, says he steps over the chain link fence, which is very funny thinking about a mech scale. You got a chain link fence that's like, you know, taller than an adult, you know, like eight feet tall or whatever. With the mech, he's just like, you know, he just, he just steps over it. I gotta be careful not to Which I thought was a pretty funny visual. Yeah. I was like, dude, why don't you just stomp? Like you literally weigh a whole bunch. Brent, how much does Shadowhawk weigh? 55 tons. You literally weigh 55 tons and he steps over the chain link fence. I thought that was funny. I mean, there's no reason to damage infrastructure if you don't have to. Yeah, there's no reason. It is silly, but yeah. (laughs) Then you lose sea bills. (laughs) That's true. You gotta get a fence guy out again. Yep. The sounds of continued combat drifting down the rising ground to the north. He's like, look, we can do it. You know, he's thinking to himself, if, if the stuff with Tor worked out and if they can take him out there and keep him busy and the traps work and all that. He even says, just in case I die, I hand drew all these maps and stuff with the plan. Isn't this where he does detail? This is the first part where he actually, uh, where I learned... They are going to send down another dropship and pick them up like on the water, like way out. They're going to have to abandon the mechs and escape through the mountains, and then they'll be picked up later, and that's how they'll make their escape. Something like that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Help me out. Am I right? Yeah, and he's talking about like, okay, they can last for about 30 days with the supplies that they have out there until the dropship comes out on the north end and picks them up and takes back off. Yes, I love it, dude. We get another Griffith line. We get another, you hear the Griffith comes back, the Force Ghost. Uh, we get another one. I love it. If something can go wrong, it will. Keep your planning simple because the plan's certain to get a lot more complicated in practice than you'd thought it'd be. It's like, man, ain't, you know, ain't that the truth? Well, and you know what? It, we have had so many instances of Grayson getting advice from people. And especially Griffith, where it's like it comes in, he takes it, you know, when it comes up from time to time and he uses it. This is the one where he could have latched on to this one a little less because boy, oh boy, are Grayson plans very simple. So having him keep this one at heart sometimes works against him. And we've seen that many times over this last couple chapters. He says Grayson didn't see how he could have simplified it any further. With so few mechs against so many, only a complex plan gave him the options and flexibility he needed. That's a good point, Grayson. The more resources you have, the more options you have as well. That's true. And, but yeah, he's in there. He's on the ferrocrete. We got mechs on the ferrocrete. And uh, what is it? He gets like a, it's a, it's a whole thing. He raises the thing up and gets like the target lock. Dee, dee, dee. And, uh, but yeah, he's doing it. We're almost there. Everything seems to be going well. He... Pulls the he puts the antenna in his sights. You got the shoulder cannon, as we said. We got SRMs. We got medium lasers. All set. He pushed the con stick forward, urging the shadow hawk into a lumbering trot toward the antenna. When the missile caught his hawk squarely in the back, it took Grayson completely by surprise. 
And that's the end of the chapter. So we get we get this cliffhanger. That's it. The the chapter totally ends with him getting crushed by an SRM, like right in the rear. Out of nowhere. Like torso. Everything was clear. He had taken the time. He had double checked everything. As soon as he goes to launch, somebody else runs and tackles him off the Grace and Spun wheel list. Never expect he didn't check his weakness. six. So, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, um, this makes sense, right? Knowing our boy Duke Recall, it's already pretty clear that he's a pretty talented mind militarily. And uh, the best thing you can do is uh, reverse engineer your enemies. Like, what you think, what do you think they're going to do? And it's pretty clear from whatever's about to happen, someone did that homework. Yeah, and because it was set up so well, because... I haven't, this is, this is where I ended. This is all I know that's happened. But you could tell, like, this is the moment in this whole episode we were talking about. There were some, so many, like, little missteps and things like, you're like, is this the problem? And then it's like, no, it gets, res- or it gets resolved. You know, oh, it must be this thing. Oh, no, they had, a, they had an idea for it. So it really seemed like they had a great plan. Everything, you know, that did go wrong, they had a fail safe for, and they moved forward. And so it really felt like Grayson had made this... And as we said early on, one of the first things we talked about, like, this is good Grayson. Um, And he had come up with this solid work. Good Grayson. Good (laughs) Good Grayson. Grayson. Uh, (laughs) But, and then I felt like when I read this part, I was like, and here it is. This is the one where as soon as I read it, I was like, this isn't something that's going to get resolved quickly. He He had a good plan, but it was a derivative plan. Yes. And one that one counter to and you waited for it because we did have that whole last episode we got to talk about the duke and we got that all set up and as brent said this man was calculating and why did he let all of this go you know why did all of this succeed when so many things could have been countered or hinged upon it it, to me reading this and not knowing what happens next like i said keith set this this one statement up the the conclusion of this chapter has a finality to it it just had that air of this wasn't or this wasn't something grayson could counter plan this was something that is out of left field and this is gonna fuck everything up i think he could have can't i think that if he was i disagree with you i think if he was a little bit more experienced he could have counter planned but under duress under a time limit you know all these resources all of these moving pieces you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, even, you know, even being inexperienced, like you could plan for it. It would be hard to plan for it. And it'd be hard. You, it would be hard to make his plan was good. The only thing he could have gone into is uh, going into this with the understanding that he's dealing with competent leadership now. And the way he attacks this antenna, he needs to, he needed to find a way to bait out whatever, counter strategy potentially was here and that's probably the only thing he could have done better but again that again looks at someone who's a little bit more experienced has a little bit more time and well and it's uh, it's been that point we've said so many times in so many of these episodes where you say like you know grayson still has so much to learn he has absorbed so much even totally. even against his will most very of the time. quickly yeah i might add uh you know but this is the man across the table from him that he's playing against has a lot more time and a lot more experience. So I am excited to see what the repercussions of this are. And I feel like we are going to get that answer next episode. 
<laughs> when we come back to finish Decision to Thunder Rift, first book will be down. We hope you, we're glad you've it's been exciting. hanging in here so far, and I uh, hope you come back. And that'll do it. This has been another episode of Of Mix and Men. I'm Kanan Hill, joined as usual by Brent and Aaron, my two good friends. And remember, please write in. The email is advice at heat.management. You know, I'll read them. Probably some of them, all of them. How many? Do you think we'll get a lot of them? I don't know. We'll see. Write us. You know, somebody send us an email. Please, please send us an email. You know, that'll be fun. And, uh, you know, we wanted to thank, as always, uh, Catalyst Games for being such worthy stewards and caretakers to this, uh, to this universe, to this intellectual property that uh, we love so dearly. And, you know, to the community, to all you guys, of course, right? It's just a bunch of people who just like this stuff. We just love this stuff. And uh, we just love talking about it. But yeah, of Mex and Men, thank you so much. We will see you next time.